All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod. There is another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Always a privilege sitting in for Charlie James. Charlie returns next week. He's taking a couple of well-deserved days off and enjoying himself, I hope. Will's here with me, producer Will. We're having a great afternoon with you. Always a great time. Common Sense Retirement Planning text line is open, 71307-71307. We've already talked about Nikki Haley and the Civil War. We're moving on. We're moving on from that because I know you feel like I do about Nikki Haley. We don't need to spend a ton of time on that. No, we do not today. Oh, here's a a sad obituary. Can I just be honest with you guys? I mean, I own a couple of Glocks, but I did not know they were actually named after a person. Am I bad? Am Am I an idiot for not knowing that? Did you know that, Will, the Glocks were named after a person? Glock? No, I just knew they were perfection, but that's it. Well, apparently, this guy is from Austria. His name is Gaston Glock. I didn't know that either. He engineered and invented the Glock handgun. He's now passed away. Aww. Yeah, they're, I know a lot of cops use them. I'm not here to give Glock a free plug, but if you know guns, you know Glocks. And who knew that these things were actually uh, you know, the weapon of choice for a lot of people, but they've been around for quite a long time. Apparently, former Iraqi dictator Saddam Hussein had a Glock with him. When captured by U.S. Special Forces, isn't that crazy? Um, but anyway, so that was a great gun, and uh, we are sad that he has passed away. It was invented by him as, as Australian military folks sought a new, innovative firearm in the 1980s. And they used to manufacture things like curtain rods and military knives until Glock and his team of firearms, according to the Daily Caller, uh, experts produced se- the semi-automatic, largely plastic Glock 17. And I have friends who are cops, and let's say you could drop these off a building and they won't break. So anyway, just wanted to pass that on about Mr. Glock. Did not know that was a thing at all. All right, so I've talked to a couple of people over the last few weeks who are convinced that the economy is in for a real, mm, what do you want to say, adjustment in 2024. And I'm curious... Please let me know on the Common Sense Retirement Planning text line, 713707-71307, you know, how you're seeing it. If you're somebody who is in uh, real estate, in the markets, anything like that, what do you think about the economy? I talked to a friend of mine who's a day trader the other day, and he was saying that he thought it was going to crash last year. He thinks for sure next year, and he told me something, some other friends of mine have told me who are in this business, he said the commercial real estate is going to be the problem. You know, we all, many of us lived through 2007, 2008 and all that nonsense. We know what happened then. Now, the difference this time is there are people coming in and buying houses for cash. There's no question about that. Uh, And investors are buying tons of houses. You know, the Black Rocks and all these people are buying houses all over the country. We know that too. And most people who buy a house, to my knowledge still, have to at least prove who they are, which is very different or, or the income they have. You know, they don't have the stated income loans like they used to have. Uh, back then. So I would hope that residential won't crash. You know, I I don't want anything to crash, but I would hope that wouldn't be as bad this time. And also, you know, 
the problem is if everything else crashes, residential is always going to be hurt. I thought real estate was going to crash in my hometown of Vegas because so many people were out of work overnight during the COVID. I mean, just out of work overnight. And I thought for sure. And then, you know, the California people kept flooding in and then the COVID money kept flooding around. So people were are floating around and so people were able to hang on to their houses. I, I, it was very different than I thought it was going to turn out. But it's not just me. There's an article in CFO Dive by a guy named Jim Tyson. He said, top U.S. regulators have flagged the commercial real estate market as a leading risk to financial stability in 2024. Noting rising vacancy rates, declining values of office properties, high interest rates, and the possibility of an economic slowdown. Now, that's not everywhere in the country. Some places are doing really well when it comes to commercial real estate. But remember, these big banks have stuff everywhere, right? Commercial real estate is the largest loan category among one half of U.S. banks. See, that's why it's your business. Okay, you can say, why do I care? I don't, I don't own a building or a strip mall. Well, <laughs> yeah, you do. According to the Financial Stability Oversight Council, commercial real estate is the largest loan category among almost one half of U.S. banks and more than one quarter of U.S. banks have CRE loans, uh, portfolios that are, are large, that are large relative to the capital they hold. They also say that the office sector faces the most severe challenges because demand for office space has been weak, particularly in the largest markets. And that's true. I mean, how many people do you know have gone home after COVID and they just never gone back to work? I know somebody who moved to a city to work for a healthcare company that she worked for for decades. They moved to another city. They bought this huge old, what used to be a department store. They rented the entire thing out about two, maybe three months before COVID hit. And that's, to my knowledge, still is empty. Now, I don't know who's paying that rent. <laughs> Can you imagine what the rent is on what used to be a department store? But there you go. But the work from home trend, they say, and a surge in borrowing costs since early last year had sideswiped the commercial real estate market. They're saying creating vulnerabilities at many banks and other financial institutions. Banks during the second quarter, here's where once again, it's your business, held six trillion, that's a lot of zeros, six trillion in commercial real estate loans, or about half the total, six trillion. They said the delinquency rate on CRA loans held by U.S. banks, although modest, rose to 0.81%. I hate numbers on the radio, so just bear with me, okay? But people are very concerned about it. And some people I know who are in the commercial real estate business say it's awful. Not so much, you know, the uh, homes, because a lot of people are staying in their homes because they don't want to move up to a bigger home because they don't want to pay the higher interest rate. So uh, not so much the uh, residential real estate. But think of how many strip malls and shopping centers and places you drive by every single day where there aren't a lot of businesses in them. And then there are big cities, you know, New York, San Francisco. Of course, people don't want to be in San Francisco because, you know, the homeless are pooping on the sidewalk. So that's a problem, too. You know, you've got a combination of a lot of things. First of all, you've got people who want to work from home. Now that they've gotten home, now that they can stay home and do this in their pajamas, they're saying, you know what, why should I go back? It's not that I don't want to be around people. It's that why should I put the miles on my car? Why should I worry about what I wear to work? Why should I go through all the hassle? It's just very inconvenient. I have a friend who did radio in one of the biggest markets in the country, morning radio. 
and when COVID happened, she and she really didn't think about how much time she was away from her family and everything until COVID hit. And then she got to work from her house and spend more time with her family. And because I guess she had a bit of a commute, whatnot, and, you know, doing like 6 a.m., 5 a.m., whatever time she was on in a very big market. And once COVID hit and she got home and she thought, oh, my gosh, this is life changing. No commute. I'm not, of course, on radio, you don't worry too much what you wear, but, you know, you're not worrying about any of this stuff. You're just sitting in your house. You're comfortable. You're not spending 45 minutes or an hour on the road, depending on where you live. And so when they wanted her to come back, they demanded that she come back in studio after COVID came, after COVID ended. And she said, no, she said, I I just can't. She said, I saw the different life that I had when I was able to work from home. So I'm just going to, and she, you know, basically got canned and it was one of the best markets in the country. And she's a talented person, but she decided that her lifestyle and her family was worth more. Once she realized, sometimes you don't realize it when you've done something for a very long time. I mean, I did mornings for 20 years, so I get it. I understand what it's like to, to, you know, get up at two in the morning and then you're grabbing a nap when you can and you pretty much are always tired and I get it. But I loved what I did and I didn't mind it. And then suddenly I did mind it. (laughs) And suddenly after I got COVID and I realized the reason I got sick was because I wasn't getting enough sleep. And I finally went, you know what? I need to change my life. You know, you can only live for so many years on, you know, four hours here, two hours there. It just, after a while, doesn't work. So I made some big changes. And so a lot of people have been like that. A lot of companies have threatened people's jobs. If you don't come back, you got to come back two days a week, three days a week, four days a week. Listen, some people can't be trusted. We all know that. They're hanging around the break room. You know, they're hanging around somebody's desk all day. They don't get anything done. We all know that. But the people who get things done will get things done at home. They'll get it done. You should be able to know at the end of the day what they've accomplished. And if you don't know that, you're probably not doing a very good job supervising these people. But that is going to affect all of us. You know, for example, uh, some I know some people who got laid off who were in the RV business recently because this particular person, the bank that he worked for, was in the business of lending to the real estate, um, you know, the real estate uh, retailers not real estate, uh, RV retailers. He would give them the money that they could loan. You know, they'd, they'd get it at 1% and loan it to you for 11%, whatever. I'm throwing those numbers out. And his whole division got laid off. So that affects all kinds of things. So this all becomes our business. So just curious as to what you're seeing out there. Common Sense Retirement Planning text line is open, 71307, 71307. Are you worried? Are you worried about your job coming up next year? Do you think your company's going to be Okay. Uh, what about the you know retail? What about the uh, commercial real estate? Are you working from home? Are you liking it? Let me know. Common Sense Retirement Planning text line 71307. I'm Heidi Harris in for Charlie James. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact. So jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Always a privilege filling in for the great Charlie James and spending my afternoon with y'all. 
Appreciate that very much. And we've got Will here producing, doing a fantastic job. Looks like the EV market's falling apart. Nearly 50% of Buick stores have taken a buyout over investing for EVs. Do you guys see this story? This is crazy. General Motors started offering buyouts to U.S. Buick dealerships, unwilling to make hefty investments required for the sale and service of upcoming electric vehicles. And apparently it turns out the offer was popular. <laughs> there are going to be about 1,000 Buick dealerships in the U.S. after 2023, which is 47% less than the start of the year, according to Automotive News. 47% less. Wow. He said the dealerships that have left that are left have only represented about 20% of Buick's U.S. sales. And 89% of the nation's population are still within 25 miles of, of a Buick dealership. Fine. But it's fascinating how these people don't want to spend the money because they like not. And listen, I'm not saying you shouldn't drive an electric car if you want to. And it works for your lifestyle. I can tell you, my husband and I, in November did a cross-country trip. We didn't get the entire country in, but we got a lot of the South End, Carolinas. We drove all over the place, up to Virginia and everything. Put 6,100 miles on the car in a couple of weeks. Had a great time. Saw virtually no electric cars. We saw one electric car in the state of Texas, and of course it takes days to drive through Texas. Saw one electric car, and it was being towed by a gas-powered vehicle. Just saying. I'm not saying nobody owns a Tesla in Texas. I'm not saying that. I'm making the point that this is a very big country. And there are a lot of places where you have to drive a long way between gas stations and whatnot. And if you want to have an electric car to scoot around town, fine. But if you're trying to pull a boat uphill, things like that, mm, not necessarily. Roughly one-third of Cadillac's dealerships also have decided to bail on the electric future of Cadillac's. Some dealerships, especially in rural areas, like I mentioned, because we drove through a lot of rural areas, they judge that their future EV sales will be low, and therefore they didn't want to spend the money in training, tools, and equipment to support electric vehicles. The investments of average, listen to this, between three dollars to $400,000 just in the tools and training and equipment to service EV cars, and some dealerships want, I don't think so. We're not doing that. Now, another story. Speaking of EV cars, only half of all Ford dealers are agreeing to sell EVs next year. I actually know somebody in the car business who was telling me uh, maybe a year ago, oh, yeah, people are waiting in line for those electric trucks, 100,000 plus. Yeah, they can't wait. I've got a waiting list. I haven't talked to him lately. <laughs> I'd love to know what he has to say about that. But Ford has said that only half of their 1,554 dealers have chosen to sell electric vehicles in 2024. Now, here's what's interesting about that. Not only are they not selling these cars, but if they have not made the investment that I just referenced, we're talking about the training, the equipment, you know, all the stuff you have to do to service them. If you buy an electric vehicle from somebody else, another Ford dealership or something else, then what happens if you take it for, you know, you're, you're in another state or whatever, you can actually make it to another state with the electric car. And you stop at a dealership and they say, yeah, I know that's a Ford, but we don't have anything to fix an electric car here. <laughs> it's not funny. Funny, but funny. Let me know. 71307, the common sense retirement planning text line, 71307. Once again, I'm not saying my uncle's got one. Good for him. He's retired. 
He can drive around, you know, short distances, plug it into his garage. Good for him. Good for him. But for your average person who has to drive a long distance, and my uncle for many years was a, uh, a musician in Los Angeles, and he did a lot of uh, studio uh, movie soundtracks. Well, not a lot, hundreds over the course of his career. And he had to drive to downtown L.A. from where he lived you know, every single day. And I can't imagine him doing that in an electric car. What if the car breaks down? The car can't break down when you're on the way to a session. It can't. can't happen. And so electric car may work for him now, but I can't imagine it having worked for him, you know, when he was doing it before he retired. So these are just the examples that people have trying to pull a truck or trying to pull a, a you know, a boat or go uphill or put a truck camper on it. We have a truck camper. We have an old truck, though, and an old truck camper. But you put it, I, I wonder how, and I've not seen this. My husband may have, but I've not seen this. What if you have an electric truck and try to put a truck camper on the top of it? Now, a truck camper weighs, you know, let's see, what does ours weigh? I think ours weighs about 2,800 pounds uh, dry weight, I think. I think it's 2,800 dry. And we have a, a, a one-ton truck. But, okay, so by the time you fill it up, you know, if you're in the back of a truck camper, you got three, 400 pounds of people. <laughs> right? Depending on what y'all weigh. If you're really big, you don't want a truck camper. There's no room for you. But a couple hundred pounds for the people, the dogs, and then the stuff, you know, the groceries and the blankets. And, you know, so it starts adding up. So let's say you go with 3,500 pounds in your truck camper and you put that on the back of an electric truck. Good luck. Let me know how it goes for you. I don't know. Not a mechanic. But that's one of the reasons that people wanted to have these trucks. I mean, people, some people drive trucks just for show. I get it. They buy these fancy trucks, all these things on top. They're four-wheel drive. You know and I know they're never going off-road. They're never going to get dirty. We all know that, right? And then there are people who buy a truck to be a truck. And they want it to pull things. And if it doesn't. So, like I said, I'm not telling you you shouldn't have an electric car. But if you do... You've uh, got to be concerned about what it's going to cost to replace the battery, you know, what's happened to other things. Texture, hybrids make sense, EVs don't. Yeah, I would say that's probably true. I know several people with hybrids, they seem to be happy with those. Texture, the government's goal is in pushing EVs is probably to bind us to the land we live on, just like medieval kings did to their serfs. Right. That's why they want you to live in 15-minute cities, right? They want everybody living in high-rises close together so they can just wrap it with chain link like they do in China and lock you in there. Right? Yep. I'm Heidi Harris, in for Charlie James. Good afternoon. Always a privilege sitting in for the great Charlie James. Text line is always open. Common Sense Retirement Planning text line 71307. 71307. You can follow me, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Rumble, Heidi Harris Show, Heidi Harris Show, Heidi Harris Show. We'll get back to the text line in a second. Saw this story this morning. South Carolina woman accused of drugging boyfriend for months so she could have an affair. Apparently a 24-year-old South Carolina woman is accused of drug, this is from uh, Vox 57, accused of drugging her boyfriend with some pink stuff quote-unquote, for nearly two months so she could have an affair. Two months. Apparently what she did is she mixed her boyfriend's stuff with Benadryl when he returned to their home from work on multiple occasions. Well, that'll knock me out. <laughs> My husband took that last night because he's been fighting the crud. I had it before Christmas, and he was still dealing with a little bit of stuff and took some of that Benadryl. Boy, that knocks you on your rear end. You know what's funny? I used to have a hound dog, a coon hound. 
And her name was, what else do you name a good old Southern girl? Dixie. That was her name. Dixie, the coon hound. Great dog. Had her first, she passed, finally had cancer, so we had to put her down. She was fantastic. And she, she uh, was quite the character. But when I, right after I got her, she started to get some allergy issues. And she'd get a little pink stuff on her feet. And then her tummy got a little pink underneath, you know. So took her to the vet. The vet said, just give her two Benadryl. Like twice a day, he said I could give her two Benadryl. Two Benadryl. Two Benadryl and I'm down for the count. Two Benadryl and I can take her to the park. Let's go. She was ready to go to the park. I don't know why it doesn't affect dogs like it does people. Who knows? Anyway, apparently this woman, whose name is Mariah Turner, gave the victim drinks mixed with Benadryl when he returned to their house, as I mentioned. According to a December 13 incident report, she gave the victim her cell phone and he was able to verify that she was giving him the drug to make him drowsy so she could cheat on him. Okay. You know, what can I say about that? I have no idea. No idea. Text lines always open. Common Sense Retirement Text Line 71307. Texter, in 1998, I bought a new Chevy Cheyenne 2500 to pull a 22-foot boat. Seven years later, I sold the boat but still drive the truck daily to work and back. When they make an EV that can last that long, I'll consider looking into it. Right. Isn't that the truth? Yeah, my car's on the blink right now. My husband has to fix the timing chain. I've got 220,000 miles on it, and I'm not giving it up. And he's going to fix the timing chain. It's going to be quite, apparently it's quite the uh, process. And he's mechanically inclined anyway, but he's been watching all these YouTube videos. And he said, oh, my gosh. He said, and I guess once you take the car apart to that certain extent, you're committed. You know, like, that's it. You're committed. Once you've gotten to that point, you can't back out. So we'll see when he has time to do it. Senator Rand Paul has released his ninth annual Festivus report, chronicling how the federal government has wasted $900 billion worth of taxpayers' money in 2023. I'm not going to read you an entire list, but I'll just share a couple of things that are completely ridiculous. $38 million to pay dead people. Not sure how that worked, but okay. $8,395 for a lobster tank at the U.S. Department of Defense. Are those live lobsters or are they for the lunch or is that death row or what? I actually saw a guy on YouTube a while back who he went to the store. He bought himself a lobster, a live lobster. He took it home. He put it in a fish tank and made a pet out of it. And the guy, I haven't looked at it lately, but the guy had millions of views on this lobster. Not even making this up. You know, because he could barely open his claws because the rubber bands were around him when he took the rubber bands off. You know, <laughs> I feel sorry. I don't like lobster. To me, it's like an ocean cockroach. But a lot of people like it, consider it a delicacy, pay a lot of money for it. And it's fascinating to see this thing close up. I remember one time I went to Maine on a vacation. My husband and I went to Maine, and we went on one of those little lobster boats, you know, where they drive around in the boat, they pull up the traps, and the guy gave us the tour, you know, with the lobster boat, and he gave us a whole spiel about why lobsters are so mean, and how they can't raise them in, um, you know, lobster farms, and he says, he pulls up the trap, he says, eat him, he's the meanest animal in the ocean. <laughs> okay. Along with everything else that Rand Paul has mentioned about the federal government wasting money. How about this? $477,000 to Dr. Fauci for a, ready, transgender monkey study. Not making that up. 
$200 million to multimillionaire musicians through a COVID-19 relief grant. Unbelievable. $400 million in cash for political campaigns. 236. Okay, I've got nine zeros here. Is that trillion? Billion? Billion. 236 billion, I guess, for improper payments. 659 billion solely in interest on the national debt. (laughs) And this is the kind of stuff that we are paying for as taxpayers. Doesn't it make you crazy? When you think of all the things that could be in your community right now, you know, parks that could be added, roads that could be fixed, all the things that could be done, schools that could be built, schools that could be improved, all the things that can be done to make our lives better on a daily basis, and these people don't care. And they waste oodles of money, and who else talks about it but Rand Paul? Not many people. He talks about it all the time, but who else talks about it? So, you know, they just assume... They assume you're not going to know about it. Texter, okay, seriously, trans monkey study? I'm done paying taxes. I, right, that's what Rand Right here, right here. I'm going to read that again for those who may have missed it, okay? Rand Paul says, $477,000 was sent to Dr. Anthony Fauci for a, or given to, granted to, whatever, for a transgender monkey study. Not making that up. I wonder how many drugs they have to give a monkey to turn the monkey from a male to a female. I don't like monkeys anyway, so I'm not the wrong person to talk to about monkeys. You see them in places like India, and I've been to Gibraltar where they have the Gibraltar apes. I hate, I hate monkeys. I hate them. I wouldn't hurt one. I don't like to see them used in tests. I don't like to see any animal abuse like that, so I'm not saying that's okay. Can't stand them. Ugh. Go to the zoo. <laughs> not a big fan, but... Yeah, they spend a lot. Of, and, and a lot of the tests that they do on animals, you know, we all benefit from the ones they've done in the past, but a lot of the ones they do now, they don't need to do. They really don't. And they just redo things, or they, they could have been replicated some other way without using actual live creatures. And that kind of thing makes me nuts. Although I do have to get upset when I see companies say, well, we don't use, we don't benefit from animal testing. Well, I know, I'm sorry, forget that. Uh, let me rephrase that. They'll say, we don't test on animals. None of our products are tested on animals. And what I would say to those people is somebody else tested every product in your makeup on animals. You didn't, but somebody else did. So you benefit from it, even if you don't actually test yourselves. So think about that if you're buying something and you're trying to obviously be you know, responsible. I get it. Well, Lindsey Graham showed up at Chick-fil-A yesterday. We'll talk about that coming up next. I'm Heidi Harris in for Charlie James. Always a privilege sitting in for the great Charlie James. He'll be back next week. Senator Lindsey Graham visited Chick-fil-A in Manhattan, instead of South Carolina, I guess, amid the controversy over the proposed legislation in New York. We all know what's happening. He's just trying to get a photo op. We'll move on. Hey, good news out of Colorado. Looks like the Colorado Secretary of State has confirmed that Trump will be on the ballot in 2024. This, of course, after the state's GOP had filed an appeal to the U.S. Supreme Court. They knew they were going to lose. Colorado. They knew they were going to lose. It's Colorado, beautiful state, a lot of whack jobs there, unfortunately, because it's a gorgeous state. But come on. 
Colorado Secretary of State Jetta Griswold announced shortly after the appeal that she will include Trump on the primary ballot on January 5th certification deadline unless the higher court decides not to take up the case or rules in agreement with the state. Aha. Aha. All right. Okay. Got it. Uh, But you know what? (laughs) The lengths that these people will go to to try to stop him. I mean, do we, we all know what's happening here. I mean, they're so, why don't they just let the people decide? Every time they go after and we just, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's like if your daughter's dating the wrong guy, you know, you're a teenage daughter, Lord knows a lot of us have done, gone through that. And your parents just grit their teeth because they know that if they say anything at all to you, and you're just going to cling to him, you know, a little bit tighter, right? Same thing about the Trump people. You, know, you like Trump, and every, the more the people attack him, and even people who are just kind of in the middle of the road, not necessarily big Trump fans, but they're fair-minded, are saying, what is going on here? What is it about this particular guy that they don't want? I remember being a little kid, and uh, I was in junior high, and a book had been out, I don't know how long, Carrie by Stephen King. And I saw a TV news report on it. They were trying to ban the book in the city I was living in at the time. Ban the book from the schools. And when I saw that, and I didn't even really, not really a horror reader. I've read a couple Stephen King books, but not a big horror movie kind of buff. But I went to the school the next day and I got Carrie and checked it out. I thought, you don't want me to read it? I want to read it. So I did. I mean, it's not, you know. You know the story. It's about a girl who basically gets bullied and picked on and is a little odd and then just takes revenge on everybody at the prom. Okay, we all know the story. But you don't want me to read it? I want to read it. Let me make up my own mind that I was, I don't know, 13 or something. And that's how people feel about you. Just put him on the ballot. If he doesn't win, he doesn't win. And, of course, the big question all of us have is uh, many of us feel as if there were all kinds of shenanigans that went on during the last election. So how do we know we're not going to have the same problem this time? That's a big consideration that a lot of people have. But here's what I would say to you. Please vote no matter what. Don't get disgusted. I mean, I get disgusted. But don't get so discouraged that you don't vote. Don't just throw your hands up and say it doesn't matter. There have always been shenanigans. Ever since we've had elections, you know, throughout human history, when people have been lucky enough to have elections, and certainly here throughout American history, there have always been shenanigans. You know, in the Civil War times, or like the, the Revolutionary War, I should say, time, they used to get people drunk, take them to the polls. This is nothing new, people. But you still have to participate. Do the best you can and say, listen, at the end of the day, I did my part. That's all we're held accountable for. You have to do the best you can with what you've got while you're here. And you can't stop voting because you say, ah, the fix is in. Who cares? Or we have no choice. You know, some people who may not like one side or the other will say, oh, we have no choice. I remember being a little kid and asking my parents, you know, who are you going to vote for, mom and dad? And they said, ah, there's no choice. (laughs) Even as little kids, that they just said, there's no choice. They didn't like either choice. And I don't remember what year it was that I asked them about that, who was running at the time, but it's kind of funny. People get disgusted. They always get disgusted. And I get it, but you can't give up. You definitely can't give up. That's good news for Colorado because they, you know, they just can't do this. You can't just arbitrarily decide you're not going to put someone in the ballot because you say he's committed insurrection. Really? And where is the proof of that? And where is a conviction on that? Oh, that's right. There isn't one. Okay. 
Going back to Nikki Haley for a minute, there's a PAC that's backing former President Donald Trump, has, and they've now slammed U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley for failing to mention slavery when answering the question. We talked about that last hour. I'm not going over that again. But the MAGA PAC said, Nikki struggling. She was unable to say that the Civil War was about slavery and, think, and thinks Dubuque is in New Hampshire. <laughs> yeah, okay. Anyway, uh, yeah, as we discussed last hour, the Civil War was complicated. Slavery was a huge part of it, but it wasn't all of it. But Nikki didn't have any kind of answer, but that's, you know, <laughs> what can I tell you? <laughs> Texture, back when I was in high school when dinosaurs roamed the earth. <laughs> yeah, they had your, your, what, your books on stone tablets. They banned George Orwell's 1984 from the school library. I think they were being ironic. Now, that's interesting because when I was in high school, we read 1984 in one of my classes in high school. Don't remember uh, what year that was, but I do remember doing it. And Brave New World, too, we read both of them. So, interesting. Well, like I said, we've got to vote no matter what, and I'm glad that Trump's going to be back on the ballot in Colorado. It's just nonsense what they're trying to do. We all see through it. We all know what they're doing. They're terrified of him. He's going to make a difference, shake things up, which is what we want. That's why the people who support Trump support Trump, because he's going to shake things up. We're tired of the same old, same old. You know, we're tired of you telling us we have to vote for for Nikki or for, you know, back in the day, a couple of years ago, Marco Rubio or Jeb Bush, or you're going to tell us who the next person should be. No, we're going to tell you. That's how it's supposed to go. Doesn't that often, but it's supposed to go that way. All right, much more to come on the Charlie James Show. I'm Heidi Harris. You can follow me Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Heidi Harris Show, Heidi Harris Show, Heidi Harris Show. Also on Rumble, Heidi Harris Show. And, of course, follow the Voice of the Carolinas at 989-WORD. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, 989-WORD, 989-WORD. Coming right back. I'm Heidi Harris. This is the Charlie James Show. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 